Welcome to episode number 319 of Destination Linux. Destination Linux is a video podcast from the Text Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is a podcast perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Jill. I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. And on this week's awesome episode of Destination Linux, we will be discussing Tor and Malvad teaming up to bring you a new privacy-oriented browser. Then we take a look at two new contenders for your next laptop from Tuxedo Computers and System76. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux to keep those penguins marching. So this week's feedback comes from Gene, and if you want to send in your own feedback, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact to get in touch and send us an email or join our forum. We're also on Discord, and I set up, Michael, a couple more Discords out there. We got a fitness Discord. We have a Minecraft Discord because I set up our Minecraft server for our patrons to come hang out on and get that set up. There's lots of cool things out there on Discord to check out. So come game, hang out with the community, chat about Linux, but... You need Michael, that to fitness win when you noodle arms. No, that's really <laughs> got him. Really got him. Got him. <laughs> got him. But me and Michael aren't the only ones who are going to be upset right now. You know why? Because <laughs> what we got an upset listener, Michael. This you're oh. not supposed to laugh, Michael. We have an upset listener. Oh, sorry, Jay. What, what did they say? Why are they upset? Well, Gene is upset and wanted to. I want to mention to Gene before we get into this that it was a very lengthy email as tends to happen when people are not happy with something that goes on the show. So I can't read the whole email. So I've edited it. I think I kept all your main points in there. If I didn't, then you could join our forum and, and talk to people there about it. But Gene goes on to say, DL310 was the very first time since I started to listen to your show. You claim to be talking about Web3, but actually conflated decentralized services and small web concepts with it. And he goes on to say they did not feel... Uh, covered it well, and we conflated it with other decentralized services. And they're in no way defending Web3. In, in their own words, it's mostly laughable in its current incarnation and based around ideas that are mostly impractical or totally undesirable. Well, okay. that we can agree with. I think our show actually agreed with Yeah, we said that, that, yeah. Stuff you said there. Uh, I'm also not saying that Mazadon and PureTube and the rest of the Fediverse are perfect or even great yet, but it's not as bad as you all make it out to be, and it's a parallel thing to Web3, not the same thing or part of it. I've got no problem with the flaws of Mastodon, but do think that when doing so, it should be done in proper context. One such context in particular comes with comparing them to services from Google and Meta. Those are well-established and battle-tested platforms, yet they didn't start out perfectly either. Centralized does make some thing we like easier. Hold your thoughts, Michael. Okay, okay. Let Gene finish. I'm sorry, Gene. Centralization does make some things we like easier, but it also facilitates all the privacy invasive stuff we don't like. I agree with that. And I think we talked about some of that. It also facilitates glorious individuals such as Elon Musk buying and messing up platforms. Uh, The last thing I want to bring up is the notable difference between Bitcoin and all the altcoin variants. Bitcoin avoids most of the problems that other forms of crypto have. I do believe it and the Lightning Network provide a very useful way for creators and consumers to exchange value. Gene goes on to mention some of the new exciting technologies underway and hopes we research things more thoroughly next time. Michael, I've got a lot to say on all of this, but I'm going to let you go first. Right. Go ahead. I appreciate that. So first of all, I wanted to say, based on my initial reaction to the comment about Google and Meta or Facebook having pre-established, you know, battle-tested platforms, but when they started out and they they weren't perfect either, yes, but they also weren't competing with anything, really, unless you count Friendster, and no one was counting that. Mm-hmm. So... There now, when you create a platform, you are competing with existing established things. So you are going to be compared to those things because they already exist. So yes, they weren't perfect in the beginning, but they, you know, they had, now you have to deal with just the comparison. There's no other, there's no other option for that. This is an interesting argument too, because it's like if a car company comes out and let's say they just release a car without wheels uh, Mm. and then you're like, well, listen, they're just starting out. When when the first car came out, it may not have wheels either. 
it's kind of yeah. like I get their argument, and I know that is a complete um, exaggerated form of the argument. But in some ways, it's kind of like once something's out and established, you can't go all the way backwards and be like, "Well, I'm releasing a car that you crank again to start it," because you're like, "Well, it took it took you know the other car companies 20 years before they figured out the electrical switch ignition." Like. There, there are certain standards that become set, and if mm -hmm. we're going to say these platforms are going to compete with them, then we at least have to have the basics covered. And, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of really interesting things about Mastodon. I know that wasn't the main point of your email uh, about these other you know, federated services and things, but it talks about when Twitter and the Elon fiasco happened, there were like 300,000 or more people who migrated to Mastodon. Like it went so big, they had trouble and they did funding and things to get the servers up to handle all of these people and some big celebrities, George Takai, all of these things. What happened since then is the, the server traffic has completely fallen off, right? It's it's not, they're still higher than it was, but it's down by like 250,000 or something like that. And don't quote yeah. me on the numbers, but it's big, it's massive. They've lost over half of the people who came over there. So you had this event that took place in which if this platform was better, then people would have stayed. And people like George Takei was really interested in Macedon. He was talking about how some of the cool things of it. But it was missing the one thing that in a social network is the most important thing of a social network. Discoverability. The socialization Discoverability, part. easy to search. And, and being <laughs> yeah. able to socialize with people. So if yeah. you don't have that done well, then what you have is a platform of which only people who directly know to look for you are going to see you. And it, it's the same thing with YouTube when people tell us, well, go to these other services that aren't YouTube. And we're like, but you, you can't make any money off of them. And that's why you'll never attract people who do gigantic YouTube channels to do anything else, but maybe put their videos on there also. But they're not going to make that thing primary because the big draw is the creators. The big draw on a social media network is the influencers. Whether we like those terms or not, it's just the reality. And if you can't have ability for them to actually draw an audience that's outside of the people who just specifically are looking for them, then, then the experiment is kind of failed. And that, again, is like an ignition in a car for a new car company starting a new car company saying, well, we, you know, give us some time. We'll get that ignition working. No, I agree. Over time, these things can be fixed. But in but the yeah. examples we gave, these companies have, and certain people involved in them, have stated they don't want to fix the problem of discoverability. So that's fine, but then you have to realize that this thing, mm -hmm. that that's their right, but this thing's never going to be, and maybe we don't want it to be, uh, a competition where massive people are going to move to it. And so if you understand those things, then you kind of get our argument. I'm not saying Mastodon has to become and replace Twitter. It doesn't. But a lot of people thought it could, and it would. And a lot of people's expectations weren't met because of that. And that's why we talk about big adoption and moving forward with these concepts, which I absolutely love for the privacy and security aspect of them. They're not going to take off if you're not going to make them better in some form or fashion than what's out there. And the only thing you can claim is, well, it's more free or it's more private. And I wish people cared about that stuff more in mass. But the reality is they don't. And that's not, we're not, we're not, this is not a topic about Mastodon necessarily, but this is just another example of, you know, certain things are seeing, setting expectations where you not, might not know that they are doing that because of what they're in, what space that they're in. But I had a question based on this email because I, I read the email in full and I couldn't find where we, we got the explanation of what Web3 was. I know they said that we didn't explain it properly, but I didn't see an explanation at all. So what's Web3 then? That's the thing that everybody really wants to know. And the reality, the answer, if we're being truthful, is that nobody really knows what Web3 is going to be. There, there are facets and things that are Web3 or considered Web3. But what's that thing that's going to take off? What's that thing that the infusion of $30 billion of Web3 projects out there is actually going to take off and be the Web3? nobody can really say. And in fact, most articles, if you go and do your research and ask what is Web3, you're going to find they start out with something like, yes, it's very confusing. There's a lot of different elements and potentials behind this, 
But I think it's a good point, Michael, that, you know, even in the email, there was no explanation of what is it that we should have said Mm. to encapsulate all of Web3. And the answer is that no matter what you say into that, there's always somebody who's going to think it's something slightly different or a variation of that because Web3 could be many different things out there. There's no standard definition. Even the creators of the World Wide Web don't even know what it is. (laughs) Tim Berners-Lee, I mean, he has some ideas, but... Yeah. And we think it's going to be, you know, hoping it's going to be more privacy dri- driven and containerized. I mean, in the concept that we we discussed in the show is Web3 is about really putting the web back into the control of the individuals, your information and things like yeah. that. Yeah. But the things in the implementation, the many different implementations of it, nothing's had a major breakthrough yet. There, there are breakthroughs as in things have gotten semi-popular, but nothing that's kind of taken over by storm. And when I say that, I say things like ChatGPT or Facebook when it launched, yeah. or Google or other things where they really, really blew up. In my mind, when you look at these technologies, I, I think you, you mentioned crypto as well, and you started talking about Bitcoin and other things uh, in there. And you've got just a really interesting place in which, once again, when we talk about technologies replacing others, I I was a big crypto person. I've invested in it. I made lots of money in it. It's very cyberpunk. I think it's cool. I love Mm -hmm. the mission behind it. But I also pulled out immediately out of all of crypto stuff when Elon made a tweet and crashed the entire thing because I thought, what kind of system that's supposed to be decentralized from everything else going on can be crashed from a tweet? And so at this point, I realized that this thing that's supposed to be better is in fact kind of the same because the same thing happens in the stock market. And I know a lot of crypto people will say, you know, when you talk about the unbelievable amount of theft, stealing, people losing their savings and all this, that this happens with the fiscal money as well. Like you guys are making fun of crypto for this, but this happens in fiscal. But isn't the point of crypto that we're supposed to have something better, not Mm -hmm. the same bad that we have there? Because I mean, it's a fair point they make like, hey, this other thing has lots of theft and people use it for bad nefarious purposes too. But I I thought crypto was supposed to be the thing that was going to change all of that. And so am I saying crypto is not going to work or if you love crypto, don't be in crypto? No, I'm just saying in its current iterations, this is a situation in which we don't, again, have something that in my mind is actually better than the current fiscal system, because I think crypto is heavily manipulated. People have lost tons of money on it. Big businesses have completely infused it with lots of scams and things that have been all over the news, which is the exact same problem we're trying to get away from. So yeah, I don't know, Gene. I, I think you bring up a lot of points that are very interesting. Yeah, really good. And, and I do appreciate your email. And Oh, absolutely. And thank you I for watching the Web3, And I Mm -hmm. think crypto and all these things are fascinating. It's my opinion that I'm going to kind of sit on the sideline. I'm going to play with every new thing that comes out (laughs) and check it out. But that doesn't mean I'm going to invest, you know, my finances or nor would I ever ask at this moment for any of our listeners or patrons or anybody else to invest their money into crypto and then send it to us and those other things because I just don't trust it enough. And I would be terrified at the idea if somebody came to me and said, oh, you know, we were sending you crypto for your show to support it. And then I moved my money and linked it and I got all my stuff stolen. Like, I don't want to be involved in that yet till this stuff's figured out. So that's why we as a podcast and stuff haven't really pushed those things. Now, I don't think anybody doing it is bad. That's just my Ryan's opinion on why we're not pushing that type of stuff. But I hope Web3 takes off. I love the idea of owning my data and stuff more. Absolutely, absolutely. And now that we have a chat GPT and, and other chat AI thrown in, I think it's going to be very different than what we're thinking of it now. <laughs> what Web three will be will be. Oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good point. This that's probably going to change like drastically what it's going to yeah. be. But also like the to go back really quick with the crypto thing, we know that blockchain and crypto are not the same thing, and blockchain is a really cool technology. Totally. This, this is just a thing that people are you know. Is, there's the thing about Web three is that it's so complicated because all of the this, these different pieces are associated as being Web3 and no one knows what they are. So it's just like this weird, it feels like a convoluted topic. And that's because it kind of is. Well, you brought that (laughs) up. I just want to clarify that he specifically mentioned Bitcoin 
and specifically mentioned altcoin variants and Bitcoin as a more secure right, version, sure. which in the world of crypto, I agree, by the way. I think Bitcoin, you know, all these altcoins and things are, are far more dangerous, but so are all of the um, markets and things out there that are selling these coins and stuff have a lot of danger. But you you made a really good point there that I want to clarify to Michael, that the blockchain is a completely different concept that can be used for amazing purposes uh, out there. And I think it will be a part of Web3 in a big way. I think a lot of these things will evolve over time. I just don't think it's ready to be getting everybody in the world excited about yet. But Jill, your point about the AI stuff, I mean, if you want to talk about the next version of the web that's going to take everything over, I think Web3 has already arrived with the AI piece as far as Web3.0, not saying the Web3 that we were just discussing. But if you're talking about the next evolution of what the web's going to be, AI is going to be the part of it that's going to take the world by storm. And you know why, Michael? Because it's easy. It's simple. You log in, you do your searches, it gives you the results. Yes. There's none of this confusion for the masses. Like us geeks, we can figure out all this lightning network and everything else out. And we love that stuff. But for the mass population, mass adoption, a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. But things like ChatGPT, they didn't make you have to code AI to use it. It's just a simple URL prompt. Honestly, the, the the conversation we had last time about Web3 was specifically about how the expectation of Web3 was not going to work because of all of the stuff you had to learn. And the reason Web 2.0 was successful is because the massive mainstream didn't have to do anything in order to utilize it. And the amount of people who are comfortable, who just play with ChatGPT and all these AI things, who are not really techie person you know they're they're just people who heard about it wanted to play with it and found out how they could do it and it's so simple to do i think that that is pretty much fair to play to say you know web3 is probably going to be ai related or maybe it already is because so many people have already adopted because they don't have to worry about learning all the different things they can just get in and start playing with it yeah mm-hmm. You know, it's also something that is awesome and provides a lot of potential for people to just quickly get started and set up and enjoy the fantastic functionality that it offers. Um, My Minecraft server would be one of those things. But you know what that Minecraft server runs off of to turn your question into another question? Oh, what's that? Linode. Oh, perfect. I'm glad you were going the same place I was. So Linode is an awesome platform. allows you to have be able to use any kind of system, whether you wanted to set up a Minecraft server or you want to set up your own website. You can do all of this stuff on Linode and you can get started by going to linode.com slash tux. That's linode.com slash T-U-X and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. Linode provides solutions and services to accelerate innovation. Whether you want to build everything yourself and just put the different different pieces together on their servers, or you want to use their one-click apps that you can use from their app marketplace. Like I said, you can get a WordPress system, a Minecraft system. Also, you can even set up your own VPN because they have VPN-friendly servers. So you can go there to create secure connections over the internet to protect you on public Wi-Fi, because if you are using the internet on public Wi-Fi, you should have some level of protection on there like a VPN because you never know what's there. And if, if, if you ever, ever uh, connect to an open Wi-Fi, you should be on a VPN. And if, if that wasn't enough though, but Linode has all these great features, all of these great services, and every plan comes with this thing that they refer to as human-powered support. You might be wondering, what does human-powered mean? Well, it means that humans are involved. And it's not Weird. just a chat it. system. It's not just a robot that's responding to you with these canned messages that are never helpful. And then you're constantly trying to get past the canned messages so you can finally get to a human. Whereas in Linode, you just ask a single time and then boom, a human responds. Isn't that like a crazy idea? I mean, so, so Imagine that. innovative. Real customer service. Right. Innovative was crazy. So visit linode.com slash tux to create your free account. That's right. You can start it for free and you get a $100 60-day free credit when you go to linode.com slash tux. So go right now to get started with our awesome cloud platform at linode.com slash T-U-X. So speaking of security, Michael, I have to admit that when I saw this news come out, I thought it was an April Fool's joke. And I have to say, I thought it was an April Fool's joke because it came around that time. And I hate this time because I hate this time (laughs) specifically for companies who try to release things during this time. Yes, they should never know. Like, is this fake? Like, it was such good news 
out there in the privacy world, in my opinion. Before we get to that, I just want to say one thing as the marketing person, there is a very strict rule that most marketers adhere to. You do not release anything on April 1st or March 31st if you are serious. Like if it's a <laughs> thing that you actually want people yeah. to know about, you you either do it on the 30th or you do it on the 2nd. And the reason you don't do it on the 31st is because of time zones. Some people might already be in April 1st. So yeah. well, it's more go. than that. People will it's, do these jokes now. Like, you know how like Christmas people start celebrating three months early now or the stores at least start playing the music and mm-hmm. changing their stuff. Well, people start doing April Fool's like leading up to April Fool's and sometimes like days after. So now like any time around there, just stay away from it. But yeah. this wasn't yeah. an April Fool's joke. Um, the Gnome KDE partnership was one of the April Fool's jokes, by the way, that I really, yeah. remember yeah. they were going to merge their desktops. That's exactly, together. that's exactly yeah. the type of problem is when people do April Fool's jokes that people want to happen. Like yes. <laughs> when yeah, it's exactly. like, hot, just joking, like, oh no. <laughs> but this is not a joke. <laughs> yeah. This is good. Cause this was Mulvad VPN and Tor deciding to team up. I mean, it. It had all of the context of that GNOME KDE partnership. So I was like, I don't know. Let me go on their actual site and see. Yeah. Let me check again a few days later and make <laughs> sure this is really happening. Let me download it and make sure it doesn't come up with a picture that says April Fool's. None of that happened, thankfully. This is a real thing. Uh, Mulvad VPN and Tor teaming up to create their own browser. The new browser will be called Mulvad Browser, which will be a browser built by Tor project team, but distributed by Mulvad, and it's based on Mozilla Firefox 102.9.0 ESR. And both of these companies are two of my favorite companies in the world, and they're known for focus on privacy and data protection. In fact, we've talked about the video that I did that's very popular about VPNs, and I compared all of the different VPNs and all their features. And one of the VPNs that came out at the very tippity-tippity top was Mulvad. It's one of the best VPNs out there uh, when you look at privacy and security and not keeping logs and just having amazing track record. And Tor, I mean, do I really need to go into mm-hmm. Tor and why it's one of the most amazing privacy projects in existence today? Uh, it's just one of the essential things for journalists or people in countries that are worried about their government being able to intercept their messages or talking to people or what they're browsing on. Tor uh, does amazing things by being able to set up jumps and hops all through a bunch of different servers to protect your, your privacy and things out there. So these two teaming up, Forget about it. This is awesome. So I had to download this <laughs> immediately. It's very uh, interesting. But yeah. I think the, the most interesting thing about it is that in the article at Tor, uh, when they announced this team up, they talked about how they are creating this browser, but it's not including the Tor network. That's very true. They're not going to include mm. the Tor network. And what I think is really interesting about this is there's kind of two different lanes here currently before this came in. You've got the people who use Tor but Tor is what it is. It, it creates so much privacy and it's hopping your traffic around and it can be really slow. In fact, you really shouldn't be utilizing it for massive downloads and things like that because it's just putting a massive strain on the Tor network overall for people utilizing it uh, for other things. So there's then the people who utilize just a VPN, but they're using like a Chrome browser or something and you've got all the fingerprinting and other things that go on along with that. And so to me, this is that middle ground where we're making things really easy for people, uh, people who don't have the time to be or need even to have that super ultra privacy of Tor and have their traffic bouncing around a bunch of different locations. But they still don't want to be fingerprinted. They don't want all of these cookies sitting on their machine, uh, tracking everything that they're doing. They want all the basic layers of privacy in there and they want it to integrate with the VPN. Because we know a VPN can add, just like you talked about in the Linode ad, a certain level of additional privacy. It basically allows it so that your traffic's encrypted and your ISP and things aren't going to be able to see what you're doing on there. And even if a hacker is able to be a middleman attack, for instance, and you're on a VPN, all they're going to see is a bunch of scrambled encrypted garbage. And that's one of the advantages and why we always tell people if you're traveling in hotels, you're in airport Wi-Fi, those type of things. Uh, where it's very easy for a middleman attack to happen, make sure you're on a VPN. Um, But Mulvad Browser applies a hide-in-the-crowd approach to online privacy by creating a similar fingerprint for all of its users. So fingerprinting is a huge problem Mm -hmm. right now on the web and one of the main tactics that people are utilizing to get people's data. And so this hide-in-the-crowd approach, I think, is a pretty cool 
and unique approach. And the out-of-box configurations mm -hmm. are geared towards privacy as well. So Mulvad browser has private mode enabled by default, which blocks third-party trackers, cookies, and makes it easy to delete cookies between visiting pages during the exact same session that you're in there. And there's a bunch of other features as well, but the main thing I want to say is just go check it out and download it. In fact, we all did. Yeah. And Jill, what are your thoughts on the Mulvad browser? Oh my gosh. So my first thought when I launched it and I had downloaded it on Monday is how fast it was. It actually feels to me more like a Chrome-based browser than a Firefox one. Albeit, you know, Firefox has gotten a lot lot quicker, but Chrome still has that a little bit more snap to it. And, and that's what it felt like to me when I was, you know, searching uh, web pages and whatnot, and even on YouTube. You know, the, the it's, it's easy to download. You just uh, download it and it's a standard tar and you can launch it right from the directory. And it does include the uBlock Origin and NoScript add-ons, um, as well as the Mulvad browser, browser extension for using your Mulvad VPN account. And by the way, if you don't have a Mulvad VPN account, the service is only $5 a month, which yeah. is one of the reasons why it's our, our, our favorite one, but also because it's so secure. And it's very consistent. Like the price doesn't, they don't do any changes they when they price it. It's $2.99 yeah. for 80 years, but you got to pay for 80 years in advance yeah. stuff. They don't do any yeah. of that. Yeah. But also, it so, so it's interesting that, that they were doing this because this browser is, for the most part, it's basically getting the benefits of the Tor browser without the requirement of using the Tor network. And that was very mm -hmm. interesting because like the uBlock Origin and NoScript add-ons by default, is com that comes with Tor as well. So the Tor browser has those. And the Tor browser has this identity system where you can switch in and out and clear out your, your settings or your cookies really fast. And you can also clear out entire sections of how the browser is working. And there's it's really cool to see that. Plus, with all the other things you could do with it, having the container tabs in conjunction with the identity system, it's a very cool idea. So they having the uh, browser built where it's not a requirement of the Tor network, I think that is very interesting. However, there is one thing that I wanted to clarify something that I noticed. The Molvad VPN does not come by default. It's not built into the browser. If you want, it has a built-in browser extension, but that extension is just testing whether or not you're set up on their on their VPN and if you can use the, the proxy. So you still need to have your system connected to their VPN with their VPN app, and then the browser extension will tell you whether or not you're connected and what servers you're connected to and that sort of stuff. So it's cool that it has functionality to tell whether or not you're connected to the VPN properly, but it still requires you to use their other app to connect. Yep. Yeah, and you can it's install the Mulvad browser extension on any any Firefox or Chrome-based browser. So if you, you do have the service, you don't have to use the Mulvad browser. Yeah, true. Yep. That is interesting, but the, it is worth noting that if you want to get the extension, you have to do it through their website, not through the Firefox add-ons marketplace thing. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's currently in a beta right now for the extension. So... In order to get that, you need to go to their website, which I mean, if, and the way I look at it is if I'm going to trust them for my VPN, I could probably use their extension just fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. No big deal. But I think it's really cool that they're doing it. When I first loaded up the browser, I kind of thought like, what is the point of this? You know, because it didn't come with a built-in VPN. And there are a lot of browsers that do have built-in VPNs that are just exclusively for the browser. And I do think in a way that that's kind of disappointing, but at the same time, it's also good because it's more or less like, here, you should have your VPN not just on your browser because that's not the best way to do a VPN anyway. So it's, I do think that there is, yeah. there's a there's a valid approach to why they didn't do it that way. But I wish that the extension was more like adamant about how to get to the VPN and telling you you don't have it connected right by default. And you have to, it'll tell you that you're not, you're not on a VPN, but it doesn't tell you like quickly how to get on the VPN. And I wish it was more like not necessarily in your face, but more uh, like quick to tell you how to solve that problem and send you to the different downloads for your browser, like that sort of stuff. That's an interesting idea. I think that's a fair point there. And I, I want to touch on in case, because we've got a lot of people who are getting into privacy, but maybe not understand because there is a lot of people pushing to just put the VPN in a browser extension. Like let's say you download another VPN, a, fam a very famous one out there, popular one, and you use their browser extension and you connect to the VPN through the browser extension. Almost all of those type of extensions are just protecting your web browser traffic. 
and why you want to use the software that you would actually install, Mulvad, NordVPN, whatever it is, on your physical machine and not just utilize it through a browser extension, although it's more convenient in the extension, is because all of your internet traffic from all the software and things becomes going over the VPN if you use the software version that you've installed on your desktop. If you're using the extension, the only thing you're protecting is what you're using in that specific browser right there. And so there's very important thing for people to kind of recognize and understand. And they're both, I mean, the extension is very useful and you can use that, but just know that the rest of the stuff, if you have other software reaching out with telemetry and all that stuff, that's not going through the VPN there. But I love this team up. In fact, mm -hmm. I can't think of a better really team, awesome. Michael, than this here. Like what? this is Picard and Kirk level. Like they team up it is. and yeah. you know go after the Klingons together. This is Galactica and the Enterprise. This is muffins and cupcakes coming together <laughs> sure to make a muff cake. Muffin muff cake. cake. Cup <laughs> no, I would go with Cupfins, maybe. Oh. Cupfins. Cupfins. Like, you can't make a better partnership than Tor and Mulvad together here. It's amazing. And Firefox, too, because really, without Firefox, yeah. you got none of oh, this. Yeah. In fact, mm -hmm. the one complaint I will say, Mulvad, that I have is that you don't really easily express all across the Mulvad browser any thanks or anything to Firefox. And yeah. it, it's in there in the about which I appreciate. It says, hey, we're based on Firefox, ESR, and all of that. Um, but I think they deserve a little bit more of a call out because without that amazing Firefox base, this would have been a much yeah. more difficult thing to uh, endeavor on. Yeah, and in fact, that the only browser competing with Chrome and Chromium is Firefox, that into any reasonable level, it's more important that we acknowledge the fact that if you make a new cool browser, you know, thank Firefox for existing so you can make that cool browser. You know. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, another extension that you need to make sure you always have. I mean, What's that? I, Michael, I mean, really, do you have to ask? It's no, of course not. You asked me, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm setting you up. <laughs> oh, thanks. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by the amazing folks over there at Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash TUX. You know, I just set somebody up this week on Bitwarden and they could not believe how awesome it was but here's the thing i couldn't believe michael when i was helping them set stuff up as they were using the same password for banks for everything that they had it was a more complex password so i'll give them that that's a step up but it was the same one across as soon as i saw it i was like listen let's go to this bitwarden let's get it down on your phone let's get it into your browsers let's get yep. it everywhere so that you're utilizing this and setting up super complex passwords not as complex as michael sets because he sets like i might be excessive character <laughs> passwords and, i might be a little excessive insane. if they yeah. if they have a if they don't have a limit to what that is the main character's limit is i i'm going to make it a crazy number but also it's a different number for each one but here's the reason why i can do that i use bitwarden and I don't have to remember my passwords or care what they are because Bitwarden takes care of it for me. It remembers it all for you. Password manager software allows you a peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all those passwords in the secured vault. Michael was just talking about auto-generate those passwords and usernames and even automatically fill them in for you. You can access your data across any type of device, phones, browsers, any type of desktop operating system you want to use. Of course, it's Linux, but any of the others too. Command line and Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your device so you know you're the only person with access to your data. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux and get started for free, but you're going to want that $10 premium account. In fact, the person I was talking about like volunteered, like, I'm just going to sign up and pay that. That's so cheap. I can't believe how cheap that is. Uh, and I was like, yeah, it's it's insanely cheap with everything going exactly. up in price constantly. And they're still staying at the less than a dollar per month. One gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step with login, YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, Priority Customer Support, and so much more. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started. I mean it, like right now. Type it in your browser now. Bitwarden.com slash tux. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring Destination Linux. So there is a game called Fireball Spam. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Fun name. And, All right. <laughs> and uh, this game is actually a simple two-button, one-shot, one-kill fighting game. And uh, taking all of the action of Fireball Wars and other fighting games and upping the stakes with instantaneous death. 
no D-pad, no X moves, no frills, just jump, jumping with the space bar or on your controller, shoot and win. <laughs> I love it. Interesting. <laughs> Very it is simple. a lot of fun. It's it's. I was playing with the the AI robot, and uh, uh, mm -hmm. that that was really did really cool. Did you beat cool. the AI robot at any point, Jill? <laughs> I I did a couple times actually. Good. Yes. <laughs> See, they say that AI could beat us in like Jeopardy and Go and all of these games, but it yeah. can't beat us in Fireball Spam. Not in Fireball Spam. <laughs> you know what I was thinking when I saw this name, Michael, is if you follow all these privacy tips that we give on the show you're probably going to find yourself in a situation where you kind of miss spam, you know, getting your yeah. email spammed, <laughs> uh, having a bunch of random I things think spammed. I literally screen. you're the only one who has had that thought. <laughs> oh. uh, and so instead of bringing that spam back because you miss it and it's nostalgic, you just play fireball spam. And yeah. Yeah. You know what I would buttons. thought when I first heard about this game's name? Well, I was thinking this is like someone who is playing Street Fighter with Ken or Ryu and all uh, they ever do is shoot a fireball. Why are you calling me out? My <laughs> entire <laughs> Street Fighter playing life was just spamming with Ryu. <laughs> like, and lucky if I could win there. I had yeah. no real skill. I just jam on buttons until something. <laughs> sometimes I won, sometimes I didn't. Fireball. It was kind of like you had to curve the little joystick and Hadouken. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, the, this it's just a, a real simple 16-bit style game with simple controls and very simple characters. But, you know, it's a, a fun romp in the Spamiverse. <laughs> a fun romp in the Spamiverse. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you take that from them or did you come no, up with that, No, that was my own. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Romp in the Spamiverse. <laughs> And uh, actually, the developers uh, describe it like this. All the joy of Fireball Wars with none of the pesky health in the way. And yes. that's so true. I mean, you got to keep keep jumping though, so those fireballs don't get you. Or three, or keep throwing the fireballs so some don't get you. <laughs> Michael, when you component. see this game, it's only $1.99. It yeah. works on Linux out of the what box. What a deal. Are yeah. you buying it right now? Probably not. Why? <laughs> That's not a judgment against Fireball Spam. I have okay, I'm, this right. is not to say Fireball oh, Spam you're doing you're in anything the wrong. Oh, because you're doing a show. That's I'm, I'm in. Do, I'm doing a show, and also there's yeah. no cars with rocket boosters on it. Oh, that's or a soccer cool. ball. Oh, yeah. that is true. These these fireballs are thrown, not. <laughs> yeah. For those game developers out there that want to try to get Michael to play their game, you've got to have like you know five year old cars dreaming of a car with rockets on the back, and then Michael will play the game. But. Yes, Aww. it doesn't even have to have a soccer ball in it. There's another game that I, I was fun that has, is similar, but it has rocket boosters on the car. That's all you really need is the rocket booster. <laughs> yes. Oh, Absolutely. but this one plays on the Steam Deck, which is nice. So you can just pick up and go. This actually does look like a really <laughs> fun game to pick up. And for $1.99, you can't really go that wrong. It only has one yeah. user review. It might be Jill's. But uh, <laughs> definitely one of these little fun, yeah. uh, corny games to pick up and check out. All right, so our software spotlight is smart receipts. This is a big darn deal. Like sometimes we bring in software that's like, hey, we utilize this, but we don't get to utilize it all the time. Maybe it's even something we're spotlighting that's not in our direct industry, but we just think it's cool. But smart receipts is one of those things that's like one of those life-changing apps for me. It's not only helped me in my recent move, which you know, people watching the video version know I'm still in the process of moving, so I'm not in my final location yet and all of that. Um, but because you got to track things like travel and going to different places, like we went to the big event at scale, at scale and the expenses yeah. for the business and smart receipts is a free open source app that lets you scan and organize your receipts on your smartphone. Now, anybody who has to do those reports when you're done traveling for work, Listen up. This is the thing that's going to be very life changing for you because there is nothing more annoying, at least if you work for a big company like I do and trying to get all of those receipts captured and save them for your trip, get the paper printouts, and then you've got them in your luggage. And then of course you always lose one receipt and then you have to do a special exception report on that. All this kind of nonsense can be avoided with this one simple app. App provides advanced Optional character recognition technology extracts key data from your receipts, such as date, merchant name, and total amount spent, plus gives you the picture of the actual receipt itself. 
and allows you to export it in the PDF format or CSV format, allows you to categorize your receipts based on all of your different trips or put them in different folders and things for your different expenses. So I was traveling for the scale convention and then the next week I traveled for work and I had two completely different loads of receipts that I had to keep in expense, but I was able to do that yeah. easily. Very smart cool. receipts, which I absolutely love. It's available for both Android and iOS, and they make it accessible to a wide range of users. And the app is regularly updated with bug fixes, and it's just a really cool service. And the pro version lets you back up to cloud services in case you accidentally get your phone stolen or lose your phone or things that could be really important as well. But I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of this Smart Receipts. Use it all the time. In fact, uh, Ryan convinced awesome. me to start using Smart Receipts when we were uh, at scale because he told me about how he was going to have it organized that way. So I thought, okay, let's check this out. And then I set it up and started doing the organization for scale receipts and was like, oh, wow, this is so much better than having to like remember which one was which and yes. just having it automatically and the nice. tip of the week this week is related to smart receipts. So we're going to get that into a second. But before we get to that, Ryan said there's nothing more annoying than keeping track of receipts. And I have to argue with mm. that because I do a show with Ryan and that's pretty annoying. Yeah, but <laughs> not more annoying than keeping track of Aww. receipts. I mean, it's a close, but I still think the receipts <laughs> is more annoying. Okay. Okay. okay that might be a little, it, yeah. it, it can be sometimes when you forget to do it and, you know, you yes. have to go back and have like a whole shoebox full of receipts. How much money have receipts? you left on the yeah. table, Michael, because you forgot about a receipt? That's you know? a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> well, but yeah. yeah. What's really cool is last year's scale, I had to send Ryan the receipts, you know, snail mail. <laughs> the receipts to you and now we just have this awesome option that yep you know Makes works it today so yeah <laughs> and we can export it like michael needed a copy for some of the things yes. of some of my receipts and i could just export it and send it to him and he's yeah. got the receipts the so picture cool. of the receipts what they were for it's beautiful beautiful <laughs> yep it's it's a fantastic experience and also i mean there are some things that i wish it had that it doesn't but that's also just because i i want it to be perfect one for of me people are just whining you know I just, i'm just whining Whiny. yeah imagine yeah. me having to put up with michael and his whininess all uh, the time see Those this are is tips and tricks this michael. is why it's so annoying to do a show with ryan people you get it yeah and you know because because of because i like how jill agreed with yeah it's like yeah it is annoying <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> yeah ryan and because of you and michael i'm going to start using smart receipts myself just on my personal account because I, mm -hmm. I am so careful. I mean, I, I still don't do online banking. I still like to go to the bank and I like to get the receipts. And then they just, you know, they, over time, they just pile up. And this way I don't have to yeah. pile up and I can save uh, the paper. <laughs> Jill, when you want to make a uh, deposit in the bank, do you hand them a floppy disk with a file on it? It tells <laughs> no. them how much money you're wanting to move between what account? Because that Aww. would be really secure. Nice. Yeah. Actually, for me, uh, going to the bank, it's an excuse to go for my daily walk. <laughs> so that's how I look at it. Jill still does her taxes on Commodore 64. <laughs> <laughs> she has a typewriter for her taxes. But, Actually, uh, <laughs> I still do have a typewriter. <laughs> of course you do, Jill. But so let's move on to the tip of the week, which is still related to smart receipts because it's that cool. Uh, so let this, it's tax season and you may be really Ew. interested in checking out some kind of software for your taxes because, you know, everybody loves taxes. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, no, no one. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. So it's also important to, you know, have some sort of software for your receipts. Uh, going forward next year, going to be a lot easier because right now, if you're not using some kind of app, you're, you're going to want to start doing it. But previously, I was one of those people where I was not using an app. I was using... This like His really memory, which is terrible. No, I was never used. You were, <laughs> you were. There were so many times where you would make a business expense purchase and forget to expense it because your memory is terrible. But okay, now, that is true. You can that take is a picture true. I would of it. Forget to expense it. Put it in smart receipts. Yes, you know? but I, I, still remembering yeah, to expense nice. it is a different topic. But what I would do with my receipts is I'd have this box, and inside that box is just hundreds and hundreds of receipts yeah. and then you'd be, you'd be thinking like wow you spend a lot of money but everybody who knows me knows that i i'm i'm a pretty frugal person so i'm frugal not cheap there's a difference 
So why do I have so many receipts, right? And the reason is because this is the course of like six or seven years of receipts. And that is not a very good organizational system of having one box of every receipt you've ever had that you can remember and, and know where you they are. Think, huh, I, I don't know. think, I'll think I'll about that for a minute. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, so so there was a... Best. So my tip is, is how to utilize the Smart Receipts app. And to be fair, it's mostly Ryan's tips because he told me to do these things and I started doing them. And it's been much, much more uh, pleasant experience. Now, first, one of the things that Ryan does is, I think, key, and that is taking a picture of the receipt immediately upon receiving the receipt at wherever you get that receipt. You don't just go home, put it into your own counter, go put it on in, a, in your, your receipt box that's filled with other receipts. You take your phone out, you take a photo of that receipt, and now you're done. And in theory, you could just throw away that receipt. Now, if you're like me, you're still going to put it in the box anyway, but it allows you to have that organized immediately. So, and also if you, you know, sometimes people who don't know this, if you have really old receipts, the ink just fades away. Yeah. You know? And also if you put them in the wash, like leave them in your pocket or something in your pants, didn't they also that. will fade away very quickly. <laughs> so definitely do this. The first tip is probably the most important, but the next tip is create a list of things that you know you will be paying for. So you don't end up forgetting. For example, if you're going to do a travel thing like we did with scale, we know we're going to have to pay for a hotel and pay for some of the, the flights or maybe even car rental or like ride share, or like Uber and Lyft and that sort of thing. We know we're going to have to do those things. So put them in the system. So once you're, you get the information, you can then go ahead and just put it in that item. And it makes it a lot easier knowing that it's there. And you could apply this to your everyday things too. You don't so. forget because a lot of times you'll expense things, especially if you pay with your own card and forget that, oh, I paid for yeah. airport parking. Like a mm -hmm. lot of people remember the airplane itself because it's very expensive or the hotel itself. But something like airport parking you might forget about or other things because it's at the end of the trip. You get your car back. You're trying to get home. Those things, like, it's easy to forget. But if you have a space there, you remember, oh, yeah, I needed to go back and add something in yeah. there. And also you need to make sure you track that Cinnabon you got in the airport. The Cinnabon. Like you're, waiting, <laughs> you're waiting for the yeah. – Because, I mean, you had the shame of sitting in the line at Cinnabon. So you might as well yeah, yeah, get your money exactly. back after you yeah. ate that. As you're standing there Cinnabon. in the Cinnabon line going, like, why am I here? Why am I here? You, right. Why once do you I get hate it, myself? Yeah, once you get it, you're going to be like, oh, this was a good decision, but now I need to keep the receipt. Oh, well, why you're there? So you smell good like cinnamon when you get on the plane. Yes, that's the reason you get that's a cinnamon. That's what I think about. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But also with the smart receipts, you can create expense reports that you could save for every trip you take or whatever things you need to take. Create Like the whole group thing we were talking about before, mm -hmm. you can create reports based on specific groups or your entire thing if you want to. And as in, you also, if you want to do the uh, backups, you need to do a premium account or just do like regular exports to your system so you don't lose any of your receipts. But they, these are tips to use an application that once you start getting used to using it, you're going to come up with new ways to improve your experience because this is a game changer for me. I used to have a very inefficient, Archaic, terrible, un horrible, ineffective, unproductive my Neonic. words are better about it than. Oh, um, I'm trying to help. Okay, I, I like my I like my adjectives better than yours, but okay. So my system wasn't great, but now I actually have this thing where it's organized. I know, crazy, crazy. An right? app that helps you do something better. There's an app for that. It's called Smart There's Receipts. An app for that. There's also an app for this show, isn't there? They actually do have an app for this show. I don't, don't think we? there is. No, there, somebody created that one app that one time for our show. I mean, There's I think they created that. it, but I don't think it's updated anymore. Is it maintained? I don't, I don't know. think so. There could so. be an app for that. Well, anyways. There is an app for that. It's called a podcast app that you use or the yes. YouTube app that you can watch the show on. Like, there, yes. there's, you know, There's an app for that. Yeah, Spotify, exactly. iHeartRadio, iTunes. All of those. We are on all of those things. Yeah. Yes. They're so important. All right, a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. You can join us on our Discord at tuxdigital.com slash Discord, where we have a couple new Discords created out there. I'm starting to uh, hear there's a lot of fitness people going on in the Linux community talking about, you know, you got Wendy, you got Nate, you've got me, and other Obviously people. Me. Michael, Jill, 
all of these people into um, fitness. So why not? We work out our brains all the time. Why not work out our bodies too? So go check out our Discord because we've got a fitness section there. We've got our new Minecraft server. You can go check woo-hoo. out and hang out with people and play some Minecraft. My kids have been playing on the server for like two days straight. Yay. And I got to tell you guys, I'm sorry if you joined the server. Um, and I'm very proud of this as well. So uh, my kids now know how to deal mess with the console and so they have administrator rights in the server and first it was just for me to play but then my kids saw me playing and i was testing things so i would like give myself a sword or whatever (laughs) and i didn't think they picked up on it but my son gets on and then he just starts doing the slash and console commands and making himself all powerful and my daughter sees this and so now a second laptop was set up with minecraft and she is in the console writing little commands to make herself all powerful i'm very proud of them but if you come across (laughs) them and they kill you because they're all powerful that's just part of the joy just of our know server. know it was Ryan's fault. Yeah. It was my fault. Yeah. So <laughs> these are some of the fun things you can learn about uh, in joining our Discord. And also, if you want to watch this show live, you can do that by becoming a patron of Destination Linux. In fact, when you become a patron of the, the show, you're actually becoming a patron of the network, so you're going to get a ton of other f- perks and features, not just being able to watch live, but that is a fantastic perk, of course. And if you're not able to watch it live, you still get the option to watch the unedited version, and you're definitely going to want to watch the unedited version. Now, technically, it's going to be edited a little bit because I, we had a little bit some technical difficulties, so I'm going to put in just this piece. We had some technical ju- difficulties. But we sing Baby Shark. We Yes, we were singing yes, Baby Shark. Did. If you want to hear us sing Baby Shark, which to me is worth thousands. Thousands. <laughs> so we're going to be taking that and providing it to patrons and letting them know that we have heard of Baby Shark for some reason. So you can join our awesome patrons by going to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to get all the perks we just mentioned. Also, you get to join us in the patron-only post show, which happens every week after the show, and our amazing digital virtual stadium that has a 60,000 square foot stadium for those who are My curious. Gosh, we're rich. It's just a massive, it's a massive uh, made up virtual stadium. And you can do that by going to tuxdigital.com slash contribute. You may be thinking to yourself, I'm already a patron. So what else can I get? What else can I do to be, participate in the awesomeness of the Tux Digital community? And that is go to the Tux Digital store and get some swag because we have tons of cool stuff. We have hoodies, T-shirts, mugs, coasters, hats, stickers, and so much more, including things that Jill drops onto the microphone. And <laughs> Yeah, Jill dropped the mic. Oh, my God. She, what happened, so you guys know, those not watching the video, is Jill showed her own merch, by the way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then dropped the mic. As if saying, like you would buy any of Michael and Ryan's oh crap, just yeah, buy she, my stuff. That's exactly what how yes. I interpreted it as well, Ryan. Yes, so one, wonderful dis- description. Did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get awesome all the cool stuff that is available at the store, including the amazing Jill stuff, the thirty three percent more Jill, because everyone wants thirty three percent more Jill, <laughs> obviously. So go to tuxdigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all our incredible shows here on Text Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. And head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody... Have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Keep baby those penguins That's a patron baby exclusive. Shark. That's patron only exclusive, it's, Jill. Exactly. It's a patron exclusive, Jill. You're tra- <laughs> you're- We're going to NFT our baby shark video. <laughs>